Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, good morning, Crossroads Church. Oh my goodness, guys, it is that last week of Transformed. Guys, I'm almost going into depression. This has been an incredible series. God has moved. We have experienced revival. Since the beginning of the a year, we have seen 38 people get baptized in the last two months. We saw 34 of those people get baptized. Folks, that is what God has called us to do as a church, is to, to take a stand, to abandon all that we know for him. You know why? Because that's what he did for us. Well, man, I have been beating you guys up left and right week after week, and here we are in week seven, and I want to share with you the topic of vocational health. All right, so I've done a lot, a lot of different types of health that I've talked about over the last two months, and today I want to share with you about vocational health, and specifically what I want to do is I want to share with you seven biblical attitudes for a healthy work life. Uh, say, oh, no. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm going to meddle today. All right. I, I'm going to uh, preach a little bit and I'll meddle a lot. Seven biblical attitudes for a healthy work life. And attitude number one is this. I must start working enthusiastically wherever I am. All right. Now, I just lost half of you. You're like, but, but Pastor, you don't know where I work. And Pastor, you don't know who I work for. And pastor, you don't know how little they pay me to put up with that. And you're right, I don't. But here's who does, God. God knows exactly who you work for. God knows exactly what's going on. And God says that you need to work enthusiastically wherever you are. Matter of fact, in Colossians 3, verse 23, it says this. Whatever you do, everyone say that word with me, whatever whatever, work at it with all your heart. Uh Uh-oh. You know, it's easy to like working at a place where you feel appreciated. It's easy to go into work when you feel like you're overpaid. How many people? Yeah, okay, thank you. I was going to call your bosses if you raised your hand. But God tells us this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And here's three things I want you to think about when it comes to your job. Number one is this. The job is a test from God. Now, who will say amen to that? Come on. You know you know, you got that boss that, man, he, he, he tests every ounce of your Christianity. You got that coworker who don't do anything and gets paid everything. Come on. I can preach there. If your job is a test from God, how are you doing? Most of us don't even take the test. Most of us get up and walk out of the room. They're like, uh-uh. No, not this week. Not this month. 2021, it's just going to have to wait. But here's the reality. Your job is a test from God. 
Now, when I think about tests from God, I think about the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and there's a, um, a singer, his name is Bobby Michaels, just a couple years ago, actually a couple decades ago. And he had a song, and it said, take another lap around Mount Sinai. And the, and the rest of the words said something like this, until you learn your lesson, until you quit your complaining and your griping. I don't remember the rest, and I'm surely not going to try to sing it for you. But here's what I believe is sometimes we are tested by God and we refuse to take the test. We walk out, and, and God says to us, take another lap around Mount Sinai, Ronnie. You know, have, is it just me, or have you noticed that when you run into that irritating person at work, that when you quit that job and you go to another job, that same person works there too? They just got a different name? Yeah, they follow you everywhere you go. As a matter of fact, they're going to follow you the rest of your life until you take the test and pass it. Because God is wanting to develop something in us. And he does this through our jobs. Second thing about the, uh, our jobs is that God is watching. Oh, how many people would behave differently if you believed that God was watching you at work? Yeah, I would too. Think about the story of this uh, a thief. He, he broke into this house at 2 o'clock in the morning. And as he's going through the house, he hears these words, God is watching you. And he kept working and, and, and putting more stuff away that he was going to walk out of the house with. And he heard it again, God is watching you. He starts looking around, but it's dark and he can't see anything. So he turns his flashlight on and he starts shining it around. And he hears it again, God is watching you. And he heard it coming from the corner, and he, and he shined the light over there, and there was this cage, and there was a parrot in there. And he walks up to the parrot, and he says, who in the, is, he says, is your name God? And the parrot said, no, my name's Moses. And that thief said, who in the world would name their parrot Moses. And that parrot didn't stop to think. He says, the same guy who names his Rottweiler God. <laughs> well, maybe God is not a Rottweiler. Maybe the Rottweiler is not watching you. But I can tell you this, that your heavenly father is watching you in your job. Your heavenly father is watching you when you clock in, when you clock out. Your heavenly father is watching you when you work. And the third thing I want you to understand about our jobs is this. My attitude determines my joy. My attitude determines my joy. Um, in the Air Force, there's a, a Chief Master Sergeant, Bob Gaylor, and, and he said it this way, my attitude determines my altitude. And when you're flying in a plane, altitude is a good thing until it stops flying. And then, well, anyways, you know, you kind of put the picture together. But when it comes to your job, your attitude will determine your altitude. Anybody who's been in a hiring position knows that they would much rather hire somebody who has a great attitude than a great worker that has a poor attitude. The second thing that I want you to recognize when it comes to um, how we uh, face the workforce and how to have a healthy uh, life when it comes to our workforce is this. 
I must understand who I'm really working for. Because if we understand who we're working for, that will help us focus on that it's a test from God. It'll help us focus on the fact that we realize that God is watching us. It'll help us understand that our, our um, attitude will determine whether or not we have joy in this. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says it from a different version this way. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. The problem is most of us, when we go to work, we think that we're working for the person who's writing the check. We think that we're working for the person who tells us when to come to work and when to uh, go home. I don't know if y'all recall, but last week I gave a little bit of money away. Do y'all remember that? Yes, just a little bit. And here's what's interesting is that no one had a problem giving back one-tenth knowing where the money came from. I think that the same thing is true for our jobs. You know, our job would be different once we realize who we really work for. Now, it's easy to, to get upset at a bad work environment. It's easy to get upset at horrible coworkers. It's easy to get upset at these things. And, and really, if you don't understand that God put you into that job for such a time as this, it's very easy to get frustrated. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 goes on and says these words, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And too many of us, when we face our jobs, we think about what we're going to get here on this earth. We think about the paycheck at the end of the two weeks. We think about uh, what happens here while we're living on this earth. And I'm here to tell you that our inheritance is out of this world. Our inheritance is beyond time as we know it. Our inheritance comes when eternity begins. The third thing that we need to focus on when it comes to a healthy work life is this, that I've got to concentrate on building my character. I must concentrate on building my character. You know, the reality is this, that getting things is never going to make us happy. Having a job that gives you more money than you spend is never going to be the answer to making you happy. It's never going to be the answer to making your attitude a better attitude when it comes to work. Romans 5 and verses 2 through 5 say these words, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Now, folks, this is not one of them Bible verses that we quote a lot. This is one of them Bible verses that we skip right over and keep on moving. But the reality is this, that God wants us to have character, not be a character. And many of us spend more time acting the fool, trying to do it our way, than developing character and allowing God's economy to just work in our life. How do I know that? Because he says right here, rejoice in sufferings. You see, in God's economy, you can rejoice in suffering. In God's economy, it's okay if you work for a bad boss. In God's economy, it just works. Because the reality is this, that when you're in that job, you think you're in that job forever, and God probably realizes that, you know what, I just need you there for another two years. I just need you there for another two months. I just need you there until I'm ready for the, the real job, until I'm ready for 
a job where ministry happens. But the truth of the matter is most of us throw our hands up and we quit taking the test, we quit going to the job, and we convince ourselves that God wants us to have a different job somewhere else with a lot easier. And we forget that he says right here in Romans chapter 5 to rejoice in our suffering. Why do we rejoice in our suffering? Because endurance produces character. You see, God is more interested in the fact that we have than that we are a character. The rest of this uh, three verses says this, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what some of y'all need when it comes to your job is hope. Some of you are hopeless, and, and you have yet to find out what Abraham learned when it says that he hoped against hope. What that meant was there was, there was no reason for him to think that this was going to work out. Everything was going against him. Every area that he was trying to work in his life, he was too old, he wasn't going to have any babies, and his wife was too old. Now, you combine those two things, and somehow the promise that God was going to develop a nation that is beyond numbering, and yet the Bible tells us that Abraham hoped even when there was no reason to hope. And I'm here to tell you that Paul is giving you the same message in Romans chapter 5, and he says this, that you need to endure through the suffering. You need to put up with the junk so that God can develop character in your life. And the character that God gives you will produce hope. What is hope? Hope is the belief that something good is around the corner. And if you believe that there's a better job around the corner, instead of giving your two weeks notice and waiting until that job shows up, you just keep showing up at your job until God tells you, here it is. This is what you've been waiting for. And hope does not put us to shame. You know what will put us to shame? Our own attitudes, our stinking thinking, our belief that, you know what, that boss is the worst boss ever. And until we change the way we look at things, things will never change. Until we're willing to look at that job that, that is hard, until we're willing to look at that job that you're underpaid in, until we're willing to work at that job where you work harder than everybody else and you don't get paid more than everybody else, until we're willing to look at that differently, until we're willing to see that as something, uh, an assignment from God, we're going to struggle. The fourth thing I want you to understand about how to have a healthy work life, and that is this, I must care about the people that I work with. All right, now I probably lost a bunch of you right here, but, but quit listening to me and listen to God's word. Ephesians 4 and verse 2 says these words, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You see, here at Crossroads Church, we are committed to loving God and loving people. Now, when we say love God, that's easy. When we say love people, that's easy to think about as they walk through these doors. But God did not put that parenthetical statement there that says the ones who walk through your door. He says love people. When you encounter somebody, it is your God calling to love them. How do we know that you're loving somebody? Well, you're making allowance for each other's faults. The Bible tells us that 
uh, love covers a multitude of sins. What's a multitude? Well, just add yours up. And you're getting close. And the Bible tells us that love covers that. And it's interesting how that when we start thinking about it from that perspective, when we start realizing, you know what? God, he sure did cover up a lot. He, he, he definitely did a multitude in this life. When we realize that, it gets a little easier to look at somebody differently, to look beyond their shortcomings, to look beyond the sin in their life and love them just as Christ loves you. Better yet, love them just as Christ loved the church. Number five, I must exceed what is expected of me. The reality is this, that we get what we tolerate. You have been getting what you tolerate when it comes to this Transform series. Now, I warned you, folks, that there were going to be some people who um, they were going to go all in on Transformed, and they were going to see things happen in their lives. And there was another group that was going to be sitting back, and they were going to watch things happen in other people's lives. And next week, there's going to be a people that wake up, and they really, they're going to look around, and they're going to wonder what just happened. You said, what, 34 people baptized in the last seven weeks? How'd that happen? Was that at our church? I only missed one Sunday. We get what we tolerate. You see, we don't get our goals just because we write them down in the book on the sheet of paper. We don't get our desires just because we have something that we want that's beyond where we're at currently. But we always get what we set our standard to. And, and the reality is this, if we want to exceed what is expected of us, that we need to change our should-dos into must-dos. See, the reality is here. When you open up this book and you see a transformed in my spiritual health and you set some goals in your spiritual health. But the problem was that these were things that you should do and not must do. And, and when you put a bunch of uh, should-do items together, you rarely do any of them. Then when it came to our physical health, there were things that we should do, but we didn't. There, when it comes to our mental health, there are things that we should do, but yet we failed to apply those. It was great when we were going through the passage, but then when it came to real life, when it came to like living it out, when it came to taking the test at work, when it came to taking the test with those that live with us in our own home, there were things when it came to our emotional health and our relational health that we should do, but we didn't. And all of those who had a lot of things that they should do and yet they didn't follow through, they're still wondering what this transformed thing is all about. Those who change their should-dos into must-dos, it's different for them. The ones who recognize, you know what, I've got to start doing this. I've got to get into God's Word every day. I've got to fill out every line in this book. When that started happening, life change started to occur. Matthew 5, 41 says it this way. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. Is that in your, your Bible too? If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. That's what raising your standard looks like. 
And in, the, in Scripture, we see the power of I am statements. And unfortunately, most of us, the I am statements that we say are I am fat, I am broke, I am lonely. And sometimes it's all of those things. But the truth of the matter is that we should look at our lives a little differently and realize that I am the son of the king. I am a generous giver. I am able to do all things through Christ. You see, there's a big difference in your I am statements. Because whether or not you realize it, you're saying I am all the time. You say I am a loser. You say I am not worthy. You say, I am a reprobate, and I say, I am forgiven. I say that I am willing to work like I work for God. Now, I know you're probably saying, that's easy for you. And I'm here to tell you it's easy for you too. Matter of fact, if you would start making that decision every morning when you got up, your job would change because your boss changed. And here's what I'm confident, that when you do that, when you make that kind of a change in your life, that you're going to find out that that bad boss isn't as bad as you thought. You're going to find out that that horrible coworker, they're they're bearable. You're going to find out that that relative that you can't stand actually has some redeeming values. Number six, I must expand my skills with continual learning. Church, we cannot stop learning. The moment we do that in Christ is the moment we start going backwards in our faith. You know, the, uh, here lately over the last couple of years, there have been many famous people, whether they are Bible teachers, whether they are um, artists, that have walked away from the faith. It didn't happen in a moment. It built up. And you know why? They stopped digging into the Bible. They stopped trying to see and learn what God is saying to them. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says it this way. If the axe is dull, now I'm, I'm just here to tell you, some of you guys fit the mold. The axe is dull. And Solomon, when he wrote this, he said, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. You got to work harder. And instead of working harder, sometimes we just quit working. And that's not the answer, folks. But here's what it says. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill brings success. You know, you've got to learn how to do it differently sometimes. Matter of fact, when you started off in a certain job, uh, your, your, your skill level was down here. Your uh, desire, your passion was probably up here. And then as you got better, something happened. As you got better, your passion, you know, started, you weren't quite as excited to go to work, but you know what, you're really good at what you do. What happens when we combine those two? Good things, life change. Incredible. Don't go to work with a dull axe, folks. Don't stop learning. I don't care if that's in your current job. I don't care if that's trying to find out more about how things work in your life. Don't stop learning because soon as you do, 
that life is like being in a river, not in a pond. See, if you stop paddling in a pond, you just sit there. If you stop paddling in a river, you get drawn downstream. And folks, we got to keep paddling. Just when you think you got it figured out, just when you think it's working for you, just when you think that, oh, you know, I, I think I figured out this, this spiritual thing, this following Christ thing, you stop paddling and you end up back where you started. Number seven, last thing is this. I must dedicate my work to be used for God's purpose. I must dedicate my work to be used for God's purpose. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord, and then your plans will succeed. How many want their plans to succeed? Over here? Yeah. Here's the solution. Commit your work to the Lord. But here's the reality is most of us don't understand what the word commit looks like. And very few of us ever commit and follow through on what we're trying to do. But Proverbs 16.3 says it here unequivocally, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Friday night, I had the chance with Carrie to take our two grandsons to the Tellefson farm. Remember I was talking about the Tellefson? I live vicariously through Josh Tellefson. All right. Well, I had our grandsons with us, and so we went over to the Tellefson's farm, and I took this picture. Check this picture out. Isn't that a beautiful, look at there. There is Connor and Meadow laying in the grass. Beautiful picture. Check out this next picture. That's one of your deacons right there holding the chicken, trying to let my grandson, Connor, you know, and Connor's not quite convinced that that, that chicken was as nice as Josh was making it out to be. But look at this other picture. All right, inside that picture, there's a couple animals. That's a farm right there. All right, now there's Pedro, the donkey. And then behind Pedro is a pig, and that pig's name is Dumplin'. Now, you know when you name an animal, you can't have it for breakfast. So dumplings off, off limits. All right. And then there's some chickens. You see a couple in here. There's 45 of them running around that place. Uh, a bunch of uh, goose. And, and I heard that they added some ducks to it uh, this past weekend. Uh, and, and I was talking to Josh and he, he told me about a time when uh, Mr. Dumpling and one of the chickens got off the reservation. He, he, uh, yes. And they were walking down the road, and Josh found them, and so he's walking up behind them, and he hears them talking. And one of the chickens, I don't know what his name was, we asked one of our grandsons to, to name the chickens, and he called it Chicken Chicken. And so Dumplin' and Chicken Chicken were going down the road, and Josh is walking behind them, and he'll, he'll avow to this that, that they were talking to each other. And Chicken Chicken said, the little dumpling. He said, you know, there are kids in this town that don't get a breakfast. And I think we need to do something about that. And little dumpling started walking a little slower. He says, wait a second. He says, for you, that's a small sacrifice. But for me, that's total commitment. Some of y'all are going to get it when we're eating lunch. 
Because there was a couple of uh, Dumplin's relatives that were totally committed to this baby shower. For the chicken, all they got to do is donate some eggs. And you know what? They can donate some more tomorrow. For Mr. Dumplin's relatives, they go all in. No return. You know what? Jesus Christ, when he came to save us, he was totally committed. He gave his life. He gave up his position in heaven. He did what I couldn't do. He did what Adam failed at. He did where you came up short as well. And here's the question I ask us all. Are we the chicken, 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 or are we we dumpling? Are we willing to make a small sacrifice when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure, or are we willing to go all in? You see, if we're going to get beyond chicken, chicken, Christian living, it must involve our whole life, everything, everything. You see, that's what Jesus gave up, everything. And that's all he's asked in return. And the inheritance that he promised us is beyond comprehension. You see, the inheritance that he promised isn't that you're going to enjoy where you work. It's not that um, the bills are going to go down. It's not that your relatives are going to treat you better. That's not the promise that God has given us. The promise that he's given to you is many of us will never, ever even begin to see the beginning of it until we are done on this earth. What God has kept us here to do is to tell someone else about what Jesus did for them. That's That's our mission. Remember that? Life on mission? Matthew 16, 24 said these words. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know, here at Crossroads Church, we want to be a church of Christ followers that are totally committed. And so I'm asking you that question. Are you totally committed? Are you committed beyond one hour on Sunday? Are you committed beyond um, whatever it is in the area that you're serving? Are you committed beyond writing a check? If you look in front of you in in the the back of the seat, there are these decision cards. And and I'm just going to ask you as the, the worship team comes forward, I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, what has to change for you to be totally committed? What's got to change? I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but Einstein's theory of insanity is this. If you continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting to get a different result, you are insane. And how many people show up every Sunday and they keep doing what they've been doing for the last six years and they wonder why God isn't working in their life? They wonder why everybody else is getting transformed except them. Here's what I would encourage you. It's time to do something different. What has to change in your life? 
Where are you when it comes to uh, being willing to make small sacrifices? And what's it going to take to get to this point where you are totally committed to God, to Christ, to what he's doing? What must you do? What action do you have to take? You know, when you look at these cards here, it says, uh, start. Number one, I either I dedicated my life to Christ for the first time or I rededicated my life to Christ. I don't know where you're at, but if you have not yet experienced God's transformation during the last seven weeks, it is not too late. God doesn't work on a seven-week timeline. God will. God is ready when you're ready. God will meet you right where you're at. I don't care how deep the pit is. I don't care how dark the despair is that you're experiencing. God is ready to take you. If you'll take him at his word, he's ready to take you to a level you've never experienced in your life. Some of you need to go back to the beginning of the book. And start scrolling through there. Because as you were going through, there was a question. It says, what will you do? And you need to look back. Because you wrote some stuff down when you, when you were hearing from God in the moment. And you haven't done anything about it. You recognize what you needed to do. And I'll bet that what you needed to do was the difference between small sacrifices and total commitment. Get back into those books. Go back and look at what God was speaking to you. And did you follow through? And if you didn't, now's the time. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know what? I do not not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says these very simple words. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of God... And God raised him from the dead after he died for your sins. You will be saved. That's it. Now, some people think, oh, that's too easy. Well, you know what? That's the way in God's economy it works. There's some of you that um, have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, but you've never followed him in believer's baptism. I would encourage you to fill out one of these cards and mark this down about baptism. Matter of fact, mark down there, I want to talk to the pastor. I'm going to reach out to you. Folks, in a couple weeks, we're going to baptize again. Don't miss out. That's the first step of obedience for a believer. It's to follow in baptism. Folks, the water doesn't do nothing but get you wet. But what that water does, it tells everybody else what's going on inside your heart. Are you ready for everybody to know? Or are you going to continue working like a secret agent? going to make some small sacrifices? Are you ready to go all in? Stand up. Let's sing that song once more time, one more time that we finish the service with. Are you willing to stand for Christ? Are you willing to do what God has put on your heart? Are you willing to get out of the seat and start working for God. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part 
in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.